everybody. Welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, the Tales from the Crip Review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, and today's episode is Season 7, Episode 4, Escape. Today I have back with me Mike as a return guest. Hi, Mike. Hey, hey. You ready to talk again about World War II? Oh, God. Because <laughs> that's all anyone ever talks about. That's it. Do not drink that tea yet. Oh, but... No. It smells good. Yeah, we're going to get to the tea. I guess we'll get to the tea now because he's already sniffing it. Yeah. Also, by the way, Gus has the zoomies, so if you hear, it's him. Let me explain the tea first before we try it. Aww. We got our mugs of tea because these episodes are in the UK. So for today's tea, we're doing Lady Grey. Did you know Earl Grey had a lady? No. <laughs> Maybe it's his sister. I thought he was a conscientious bachelor. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't really know about the Lady Grey, but it came in my sampler pack. And like the Earl Grey has more of a bergamot flavor, but I noticed the difference with this one is it doesn't say it has that in Lady Grey, but it has orange and lemon peel in it. So I'm assuming like if you're a lady, you like fruit. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, it's gonna have more of a fruit aftertaste than like a flowery bergamot mm. musk. You know, because men are musky. I I don't know. All I know is it ain't no lapsensuals. I can't say laps. Lapsang Souchon? I don't know. You drink it. It's good, though. Yeah. Like drinking a bonfire. <laughs> okay. Um, so we have the tea here. Mike is without sugar. Mine has some sugar in it. But other than that, we didn't put any cream or anything. So let's go ahead and, and t- cheers here. Prost. <laughs> well, it's definitely got the fruitiness to it. I can smell it pouring down to my mouth. Uh, it tastes like that one meat I made a while back. Yeah, I'm not sure about the inhaling. I mean, I could see how it'd be good if you, like, have a cold. Because as soon as you go to inhale to take a drink, it's, like, orange lemon smell. Like, right into your mouth. So, I mean, I think I'd prefer Earl Grey. Mm. But this one's not too bad either. I'm, I'm just more used to more extreme flavors. So, like, you know me. Yeah. I'll grate up a whole knob of ginger into the coffee machine, and I'll brew that. So, a little too Maybe subtle what's... for my taste. Yeah. All right. So that was Tea Corner. So let's go ahead and move on with that. We have some tea. And so now, like I said, we're going to talk about Season 7, Episode 4, Escape. This is another war-type episode. I brought Mike on for Season 3, Episode 14, Yellow, which is another... Was that a World War? It was World War I. World War I, yeah. That's what I thought. The Great Wall. The first wild wow. So now we're in World War Two, and because it's UK, we're coming from the British side concerning the Germans. This is an escape episode, like a war, like a wartime prison escape. Episode. I mean, it's called Escape. Like it is, um, very much in the vein of the Great Escape and and Hogan's Heroes. Like, but that, where it really breaks from that mold is it's told from the German perspective, kind of. Like it's German soldiers trying to escape from a British POW camp, not the other way around. Yeah. So it's interesting. So for Season 7, Episode 4, Escape. As always, John Kassir does the voice of the Crypt Keeper and Danny Elfman does the theme song. This episode aired May 17th, 1996. It was directed by Peter McDonald, who also directed the movie Rambo 3. The screenplay was by Gilbert Adler and A.L. Katz. It stars Martin Kemp from TV's EastEnders, which if you're an actor yes, in the UK, yes. you're probably <laughs> most likely on that show or one or of Holy those. Or Holy City. Or Casualty. I think that one's been on for a while. Uh, Nicholas Grace, who's from Salome's Last Dance, which Mike likes that movie. It's a Ken Russell movie. Of course, my I'm going to love it. Nick Redding from TV's Silent Witness, which is another British show that a lot of actors are on if you're a British actor. Roy Dotrice from movies like Amadeus. Al Ashton from TV's London's Burning. Lucy Baylor from TV's EastEnders. Chris Armstrong from TV's The Bill, which is another one. Like, it's all these people. Like, it's just, that's another show I think still running. 
Bill Weston, who doesn't do a whole lot of acting, but he did stunt work with over 100 credits and was also the stunt coordinator for season seven of Tales from the Crib, so the whole thing. Hmm. But he's in this too. And Murray McArthur from TV's The Bill. So it's a large cast, but it really only focuses on three or four of the characters. Um, I'm just covering everyone who's in it. But let me go ahead and read the info here on the back of the box for Escape. Duplicity is a game two can play. A World War II prison camp rat lives by his wits and may soon be outwitted. It's not bad. It's not a bad description, I suppose. So let's go ahead and start here. And of course, it opens up with the Crypt Keeper. This one is actually an intro that has to do with the movie or I with mean, the episode. Kind of. It's about the military. Yeah. So you got uh, the crew keeper. He is like a commander or lieutenant or whatever, and he's yelling at all his privates that are also like they're like skeletons in little military uniforms, and he's in a military uniform with these huge like aviator sunglasses. The um, the intro and outro for this episode really show they really get a close up on his face. Like it's almost like kind of greasy looking got these real high cheekbones and you can see like a little bit of fur like where his he may have a beard but it's yeah. not like apparent it's definitely more detail yeah it's, it's very detailed in this one and it's him just yelling at them and making puns you know having a good time doing the whole drill sergeant thing yes the drill sergeant there's a soldier uh, skeleton that has horns on for some reason little like opera looking horns but it's more like i guess it's more like bull horns are just like built into the skull but yeah they're having fun so he brings in the episode and it opens up where people, these guys are running through the woods. And it just says somewhere in England, 1945. So it's towards the end of the war, of World War II. And they're doing like the credits and these four guys are running around and there's people after them, which has been an intro for a couple of the episodes yeah. of Tales of the Crypt. Just, everyone's just running around, escaping, trying to get away. Yeah, the four guys are running. I mean, this is a little more from like a German point of view, I guess, but I mean, it is a British prisoner war camp, so. But these German accents are really something. It's okay, though, like... How many movies did we grow up with that had that exact same thing going on? So this episode is about Lieutenant Luger, which is fun because Luger is a type of gun based on the people named Luger. It's a common name. And so you got Lieutenant Luger. There might be kind of a linguistic thing going on here because Luger is also very similar to the German word for liar. Lugner. That's interesting because that will kind of come to play later. Yeah. So the fact that that's kind of close, I mean, there may be a reason that was picked back then, you know, maybe because that is close to the word liar. But either way, Lieutenant Luger is running through the woods with these three guys that he's trying to help. They're escaping from a, a different prisoner of war camp and they're getting turned around where they're going. And he's talking to this other guy who he's trying to get to escape out of there. But well, they've already escaped. They just don't know well, where yeah. to go. They don't know where to go. They're in the middle of the woods. And then the, like the floodlights get put on them and then the British soldiers come up. And basically what it is is Lieutenant Luger, he betrayed his men. He had made a deal with the British... Some British officer. Some British officer on better treatment and things like that if he were to give over some of well, they his already bodies. they already had a, a, an escape plan and he was part of it. Yeah. He decided to go to this British officer and say, well, I'm going to write out my friends. I'm going to basically break you know news of the escape attempt of the British so that I can get better digs. This character is played by Martin Kemp, and he's got a pretty, like, kind of strong accent, too. I did look him up to see if he ever did any, like, voice acting, but I didn't really see anything. But yeah, so the guy, the one guy realizes, like, oh, you screwed us over, and then they all get shot. The British don't just shoot them. They, they're they running away. They, you know, they, well, yeah, there's like, a reason. stop or we'll shoot, you know. And then it's... they run, yeah. Also, during all this scene, there's some really interesting, like, music 
that they throw in here that's kind of scattered with like different drum rim shots and like different oh yeah lots of like old-fashioned incidental style music like you've ever seen like any classic movie from the olden days like Maltese Falcon there'll always be like these little like incidental flourishes and I've noticed so far in season seven they're really leaning on that leaning on that incidental tonal music to be like oh it's quirky so then it shoots to the POW castle uh well POW war camp but it's in a castle and it's a pretty sweet castle uh, the location for this this episode's pretty cool. The uniforms and stuff are fine. They're not really like super. Nothing really stood out really. I mean, they had some I mean, hats and uh, stuff. I guess that's. I, I'm sure that someone's going to notice like there's a button wrong here or there, but yeah. it looks pretty accurate. But it just seemed like a really fun place. It's a Havenhurst POW camp. I don't believe Havenhurst exists. I looked it up, and no. I think it's just for this episode. And they're bringing Luger uh, back to or to this new camp. It's a new camp, right? Mm-hmm. So he walks in to talk to... Um... It's the same camp. Oh, it's the same camp? Okay. I, I, they, they didn't make that point very clear. Yeah, it I'm was kind of sure. hard to tell. And so they bring him in to talk to, I believe this is Scrub. No. Is this Major Nicholson? This is a... I think so. This is the Major. Okay, so they bring... The, the soldier brings Lieutenant Luger in to talk to Major Nicholson, played by Roy Dotris. Luger's like, hey, I had this deal that if I did this, you know, I was going to get better treatment and all this other stuff. And the Major's like, that's nice. I'd like to talk about my arrangements. Your arrangements? We had an agreement, Major Norris and I. Oh, yes. Yes, I heard about that. Good. Then there shouldn't be any problem giving me what I want. And what would that be, Lieutenant? Card or disposal? Room service? Maybe uh, you don't understand. But when I warned Major Norris that there would be an escape attempt, he told me that he was going to... I don't care what he told you. I don't approve of making deals with the enemy. But Major Norris assured me... Have you no shame? Three of your own men are dead because you betrayed them. They shouldn't have run. They were stupid. Stupid people deserve to die. Well, the Major's of the old school, too. He doesn't... He doesn't really respect someone who would betray their comrades in arms. Yeah, he does not really appreciate this deal. We don't know who the soldier was that gave him this deal. We don't know if that guy was punished or anything. But this major's like, that's nice. You're you're not going yeah. to get whatever it is you want. And he's like, but I did the deal. And he's like, great, I don't care. We're going to take you back out to the, to the camps. So he's like bummed out about that. They take him back outside where he meets Albert Fry and I believe... Krupp, I think is the other guy. He meets a couple different guys, but the main one is uh, Albert Fry, who is this German. Well, yeah, they're uh, like, dude, you escaped. What's how? You like, you know, did the other guys get away? Like, how how'd you escape? Can we maybe we can escape too? Oh, golly gee, wouldn't it be great to escape? Yeah, they all were spread around the camp that this guy got out. And even though he was captured, the other men are supposedly, you know, believed to have gotten out. So they're like, well, cool, maybe this guy can at least help us and we can get out. And if he gets captured, apparently it's no big deal. He didn't get shot, so it's fine. Um, So they want to get to know him. And so Albert Fry is this German POW. He's talking to him, and then there's a couple other guys. And Luger's not really that interested in them. He's just like, what do you want from me? I don't know. Well, he's frustrated because his whole plan fell through. Well, yeah, his plan fell through, too. So he really doesn't want to talk to anyone. But they keep, like, popping up all the time to kind of like bring up information and albert fry really has quite the german accent Uh, the accents (laughs) here are just all over the place some are just really strong and yeah they're they're having a good time but it's like kind of a like it's on the same level that i do accents it's okay for for comedic value but as far as like a series anything remotely serious you want somebody who's 
probably a native speaker. Well, and like also it's kind of bleak here. So like it's hard to tell what time of day it is. It's just kind of like overcast. And then there's really cool castle. They're all kind of bundled up. Obvious it's a little cold. And then they have trash cans that are on fire. Everyone's just kind of chilling. Luger goes checking out the rest of the camp, you know, and they kind of put some of the POWs to work. The British here have in like an illegal coffin making facility. Yes, and I, I kind of appreciate how the episode goes into how this might not be on the up and up. Yeah. Because the British, and really the Allies in general, except for the Russians, treated their captured prisoners of war pretty, pretty cushily. Definitely compared to the way the Germans treated theirs. So, there's that. Yeah, so it's like these guys, the people there, the Germans have to put together these wooden coffins, and it's for other British... Their debts, I guess, on the British thing, but I guess they're selling it to like a third party. It's not made entirely. It's not. Clear. It's super. It's not super gone into, but it's basically they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah, exactly. It. All I know is you got the prisoners of war performing illegal labor. So Albert Fry is like showing him around, which makes me think that it's not the camp he escaped from. The fact that he's showing him around. I mean, I guess because it's like I don't know. So it's all these guys assembling coffins, and Albert Fry is like, "These coffins are used to bury the British war dead, and so long as we all keep quiet about it, we get to keep our privileges." And if it comes down to privileges or a bunch of stupid rules, I know. I feel the same way about forced labor. And you? I feel the same way about escaping, too. What do you mean by that? Just what I said. My English is quite good. At least, I understand it better than I speak it. But I was very clear what the guards were saying about you. What do you want? What makes you think I want anything? Hell, I'm happy to have found a kindred spirit. Someone who, like me, is perfectly happy staying put. Someone who, like me, understands the value of information and how it can be used. But I could be an asset to you and, you know, let's, let's work on getting out of here and all this stuff. And so as they're talking about this, it shoots over to um, these jeeps or whatever coming up to the castle. And these are medic jeeps. So they're bringing yeah. someone back. And then it shoots over to, like, the barracks or whatever where the POWs are at. And they're just really bored and listening to some music. And it's some real swinging. I mean, they look bored, but they're like, they can smoke and they can play chess or whatever. And they're all talking about their escape plan. And, like, the whole they apparently have started digging a hole in the wall, and they have some uniforms put together, I guess, to look like British Yeah, British soldiers. uniforms. Yeah. Looking at, like, the air shafts and the stuff that runs through the walls so they can get out easier. And they're all, like, trying to get them all excited about helping them out. Which is, like, it seems like they kind of got it already. Like, they really need his help. I don't know. So then the medic jeeps show up, and they find out that there's a new guy brought in who's been injured. His face is all bandaged up. He's really bloody, and it's one of the guys that Luger has betrayed. Yes, and one of the guys that was shot trying to escape. Yes, so he did not die like they thought, like Luger thought they did. There's one here, and he can probably still talk. Uh, so he's very concerned about that. He pretends that like later it shoots to like inside the castle a little bit, and it's like made up to where it's like it's an infirmary and things like that. But he's like sweeping, like he's you acting. You mean an infirmary? Infirmary? I didn't know that infirmary was a word. We're gonna look up the word infirmary. Yay! What a horrible cat. Oh yeah, I knew, I knew it. Oh, he's right behind you. Gus is laying behind him on Mike's computer chair because it. Oh. Infirmary. Oh, there is no infirmary. I get you had it. me questioning myself for a second. I was, am I going crazy? Is it infirmary? That's my bad. <laughs> so it's infirmary. I should know that from, there's a cover, the White Stripes would do, uh, St. James Infirmary Blues. Oh. Anyway, I should have known from that. 
Okay, so infirmary. So there's an infirmary and then similar stuff, and that's where the, the new injured dude is there. But it's funny because then they shoot the Luger and he's got like a push broom and he's just like, oh, just doing some chores as he's like <laughs> slinking his way over to the medic area and looking out for this guy. He goes back to talk to the major. Yeah, he's basically ratting out his comrades again, being like, hey, man, they're planning to escape. They got uniforms prepared. They have maps of how to get out of here and everything. That's it, yeah. Because he's afraid now that once that guy talks, he's going to be screwed. So he's like, okay, by the way. They already have weapons and uniforms and uh, detailed maps of the tunnels that run under this place. And keys. They have keys, too. Yes. And? And, well... Now that I have told you, you have to do something about it. And because I helped you, I think it is... Uh... Let's lay our cards on the table, shall we? I know exactly why you came here. You're scared to death of our new arrival. Well, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I arranged for Lieutenant Schloss to be brought here. And once he begins to speak again, which the doctors assure me should be within a few days, I'm sure your fellow inmates will be very impressed with what he has to tell them about the man they've chosen to lead their escape. But see, the Major's on to him. The Major's like, oh, I know exactly who this guy is that we brought back. And in a few days, he should be able to talk and we'll get to learn all about the fun things you did. And then you know, that'll spread around camp, make his life a lot harder. He keeps trying to make deals with the enemy, but then the enemy doesn't yeah. go. Like, you think well, you learn. You think you pick up on this guy being, like, holding you in absolute contempt, you know? Yeah. So now he's talking back at that um, that fry guy, who's got, like, a, a hat, like a... He's, I, th- I think he's supposed to be Luftwaffe. You know, their Air Force. Just different from their army, obviously. They're different uniforms are here. Nice little touches. Yeah. I like it. And there's, like, they're all out there talking, and everyone's getting, like, their rations, and there's a lady there, and she has kind of, like, a, just a really small part. Yeah, this is this is the International Red Cross. Yeah, that's that's Kitty. Distribute care packages and such like. And he's trying to inform her, I guess, about the coffin making because he's like, "I'm not going to get out of here. I got a narp on everybody, and I've dug a hole for myself." He's and really behaving very recklessly. In very. General. It's only been like a day or two. Like he's really freaking out. It's not like they have him locked up or anything. Like he has free range to rock, walk around. So later, it cuts to that night. They're still listening to music and sewing these fake British uniforms. He's talking to the German guy, Fry, about how he told Kitty about the coffin thing. And they're like, we're not sure if anyone will even believe her if she tells anyone. So he wants to use the hole and he's going to like make a pit stop over at this infirmary to take out that dude. Yes, that to he, kill the witness. Yeah, to kill the witness. In the barracks, they pull back this thing and then they pull back like this wooden thing. And there's these huge tunnels that they've built for these air vents. Now, some of them are all from them being dug, I suppose, because of the air vents. But also, this is an old castle. It's probably got so many different passageways. They're pretty well dug out. Like You yeah. can fit like a grown man. They've been busy. And then there's a scene that Mike does not like. When the cart very nearly runs over the tips of his fingertips. Yeah, so they, they get out to this like air vent where they can actually stand up. And he finds this floor grate. And he has his fingers out to grab the grate. And that's when this cart comes by and just narrowly misses his fingers. And, every, and like we've watched this episode a couple times. It always Mike, makes me cringe. Mike cringes every time. Uh, I can take gore. I can take like whole bodies being sawn in half. But like the little extremities... Before he gets up to do that, though, like, he he punches Fry in the face and knocks him out. Because, like, it's all coming to a head already. You know, he's like, I gotta go kill this guy. Screw everyone else. I just needed to get to this area. So he gets up to where the injured soldier is. And before he can really do anything, uh, one of the guards stops him. You know, he's like, hey, you're not supposed to be in here and all this stuff. With a ridiculously thick Scottish accent that may or may not be fake as an American, I can't tell. It just sounds outrageous. But before that soldier can do anything... 
Fry comes back and hits him in the back with like this stick or whatever and knocks him out. And he's like, did you miss me? And it's like, Fry's not even mad that he punched him in the face. They're there and Luger's like, cool, I'm going to kill this dude. And like he comes up and he starts trying to smother, because the guy can't really see. Yeah, he's smothering the survivor with a pillow. Yeah, because you know, he's, he's, he's got his face wrapped up. He, I think he's got like a thing with some like blood being transfused. Like he's yeah. pretty bad. And he puts the pillow over his face and, and the whole time Fry's like, come on, we got to go, we got to go. Yeah, so he's strangling the guy. Yeah. So he thinks the guy passes out, like his arms go down. And he's like, cool. And then he goes to turn around and he's like, yeah, let's go. And then that's when the guy stands back up. Does he hit him with a bedpan? I think he hits him with a bedpan. Anyway, now now the table's a turn. Now he's strangling strangling Luger. Yeah. He's on top of Luger, strangling him. Again, he's all wrapped up. He looks like a mummy. And that's when he's behind the guy who's injured and he pulls him back up and he just like slits his throat with a knife. Alarms start going off because of what happened. And so all the people in the barracks, like all the other soldiers are all out there and they're all standing outside by one of the um, barrels on fire. And so the guy who had his throat slit is not dead. He's dying, but he's not dead. And so with the blood, he like pulls himself up to this window that's facing everybody outside. And he takes the blood off of his neck and he writes on the panels... In blood. What does he write? He just writes Luger. He writes Luger. It looks like Regal backwards, but <laughs> uh, he writes Luger in the window so that when he dies, everyone knows who did this to him. And so they're all out there and they're like, oh my gosh, do you see that? It says Luger. We know what's going on. And so the alarms are showing or going off. Everyone's running around. This stuff's kind of fun because there's a couple like close calls of Fry and Luger running around the castle, like almost getting caught, but not, you yeah. know, and like cool shots of the castle. There's no point in going back to the barracks now. I know that. I'm trying to get us to the outer wall. Do you think? It's worth a try. Come on. Okay. Why did you help me? I mean, after I hit you. It's like I told you, Luger. We are kindred spirits. Fact is, I respect what you did to me. You're crazy. No, I'm a survivor, like you. And so what happened is, I suppose Kitty did her job. She told yeah. someone about the coffin making, and they believed her. So someone's coming to inspect, you know, yes. give a surprise inspection. So now Major Nelson and everyone's worried because there's someone coming tonight to check out to see if they have these illegal coffins. Major Nelson tells one of the other sergeants or whatever, he's like, hey, take all the coffins, put them in the back of this truck, and get rid of them. They put all the coffins in the back of the truck. Luger and Fry jump in, and they're like, cool, we'll get away in this coffin thing. We'll get away together. It's so fine. So they get into one of the coffins. That's just what one. On. What's funny is, yeah, they get into just one. It's like they got to, there's not much room for more than one dude in there. They're going to spoon. That or, I think they were just facing each other and like holding onto each other. Like, they're kissing. And so it ends up, what their plan is, the British plan to get rid of these coffins is to just bear, like there's a big giant ass hole a couple miles away and they're just going to toss all these coffins in there. I don't even know if they're going to bury it. I think, I guess so. Well, they can't prove they like, really who made the time. coffin yeah. if they, if they, if they take it away. It's not like they put their so. stamp of approval or something on it probably. Yeah. So, and so they get dumped off onto this like ramp thing into this hole, which can't feel great. No, they just dump, they just dump it. It's a yeah. dump, it's basically a dump truck. It, it, it backs up. And it slides them off, and they fall into the hole, and you think to yourself, oh, they have a few broken bones at least. Because it's like these hard wooden coffins. Like, yeah. they're not, like, super, they're not padded at all. So then it opens up, and they're in the hole, and the truck's driving away, and Albert Fry is like, oh, yeah, it's so cool. We're going to get out. So he opens the coffin, and he starts to get out ahead of uh, Lieutenant Luger. And so he climbs up on top of the hill, and just as he gets to the top of the hill, 
out comes Major Nicholson. And it's kind of a fun shot because he's like, he's got the light backlighting him from the one Jeep or whatever. And he's pointing a gun at Luker and he shoots him in the stomach. And so that's when Albert Fry comes up and all of a sudden he doesn't have a German accent anymore. Oh my God, Lieutenant Forsyth. Now he's Lieutenant Forsyth, which is who he has been all along. He's British. He's not German. He's British. He's British. Isn't it? And he's been faking the whole time. He's got a license to impersonate a German soldier. Yeah. He's been in cahoots with Major Nicholson the whole time. Basically, Major Nicholson was also kind of giving him a second chance to redeem himself. But when they brought that other guy that got injured and he killed him, he's like, well, I guess that was your chance. Albert Fryer, Lieutenant Forsythe, had been a spy this whole time. Uh, for how, I don't know how long, because I guess those other guys trusted him too, so it's probably been a while. I mean, if he's like a good professional spy, I find it kind of hard to believe that they would just have him like, you know, play this little game with prisoners of war and not actually doing something. So he's like, yeah, how do you like that? Like, you've been backstabbed too, just like you backstabbed your own men. Yeah, and you can see that the Major has kind of this vendetta against people he perceives as dishonorable. And earlier there was a, a talk that the Major told him, like, he would shoot him right now, but he's not worth the bullet. Mm-hmm. And then there's a phrase here where he goes, you know what? I changed my mind. You are worth the bullet. And he shoots him again, I guess, in the head. It doesn't really, it just shows a bloody hand. Yeah. But part of me was like, that's two bullets. Because he already shot him in the stomach. But that's okay. Oh, whatever. <laughs> that's okay. So now he's dead in the hole. You set me up! Well, it's quite simple. I'm giving you a dose of your own. Mind you, I was hoping that putting you in the same room as Schloss would have ended differently. Great shame. He was a good soldier. Yes, Major. At least I got him to your office in time. Yes, good job, Lieutenant Forsythe. <laughs> you English bastards! Oh, that uh, phone call you overheard. That was my official notification. The war ended today. In a few hours, we shall be releasing the other prisoners. It was fun, wasn't it? Trio. Oh, by the way, I have changed my mind about you, Luda. You are definitely worth a bullet. By the way, I got a phone call. The war is over. <laughs> it ended like an hour ago. Yeah, he's like, we're going to let everybody go in the next couple days. And he's like, oh, what? So it's just a whole bunch of little like twists and turns at the end. I did like the ending. I thought which it was which technically makes the uh, what the Major did kind of a war crime. but Or just a crime itself because the war's over, right? So Yeah, so that's the end of the episode. Luger fucked around and found out. I mean, I mean he did. Um, I find it kind of, like, weird. I don't know, it seems a bit convoluted that the Major would know that he would be in the coffin. Because... Well, yeah, it seems weird because did they know that they that was Kitty in on it? Was she supposed to tell a narc on the thing? Maybe, but he didn't know. Maybe she was, but again, there's a, there's a... The plot's not perfect, Yeah. but overall it is pretty solid. I mean, this is more of a return to basically the first, like, the same kind of format as the first couple of seasons. Yeah, it's way. got a good format of the whole, like, getting your comeuppance and making yeah. deals and thinking they're going to work and they don't. It's and... the old morality tale, uh, you know, kind of, like, spin, which has kind of been lacking for the last, like, two or three seasons, honestly. Yeah, because if you really think about the plot, it's like everything would have had to happen right away. Like, he, we don't know exactly when he got the phone call, I don't think. Yeah. We don't know exactly when he knew, maybe he knew Kitty was going to tell, maybe Kitty was a spy. I, mean, I guess if we just imply that the Major is God, I don't question it. 
it was still fun. I mean, it wasn't my favorite, but it had a cool location, and I liked the little twists and turns at the end. That's solid. Yeah. Yeah, so then it ends, and it cuts back to the Crypt Keeper. He is still commanding those soldiers. They really zoom in on his face here. You get to really see his glorious cheekbones. <laughs> Crypt Keeper, you're so punny. And the best Crypt Keeper pun is... Well... Luger wanted a discharge from the army, and that's exactly what he got. <laughs> Talk about a bleeder among men. I guess now he'd rather fright than snitch. <laughs> but yeah, uh, there is no IMDb trivia for this episode. That's the end of season seven, episode four, Escape. The next episode is season seven, episode five, Horror in the Night. Horror in the Night! I watched Critters too many times. Uh, if you've ever seen Critters, there was a song called "Power of the Night." Yes, Power yeah. of the Night. So that, it just reminds you of that. It was one of the. It was supposed to be what made that band big. It's a great and song. They, it's and, a jam. And, and they never got big. So that's the end, Mike. Thank you so much for being on this episode. Of course. I hope you enjoyed your Lady Grey. It was gone in like a second. I still have some. Anyway, thank you all out there for downloading and listening to this episode. If you want to send me an email with questions or comments, please do so at goodeveningpod at gmail.com. Please feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcast or I think Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Republic. There's a lot of places. And I will read it on the podcast. I really appreciate them. I like to know that everyone, you know, people are listening and enjoying the podcast. And you can check me out on Twitter at Gek Podcast. That's at G-E-K Podcast. I also have a Facebook page. Gus has an Instagram page at a sweet cat named Gus. And you can just see him being cute and mostly sleeping. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, bye. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Mike, say bye. Bye. I thought my heart was beating.